Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey. Well, good morning, Your Place Church. Glad you guys are with us today. Talking about last Wednesday, that was intense last Wednesday. If you, were, if you missed last Wednesday, you missed a bunch. We had all the chairs out. I think I had ushers going to the back of the building to find more chairs and bring them out. Standing room only in the back. Uh, I had a friend of mine drive by um, Your Place Church Wednesday night. He, uh, he called me on Friday, and he was like, man, I don't know what was going on Wednesday night, but I drove by about 9.30, and the parking lot was still packed. And so that kind of gives you an indicator of what happened last Wednesday. We had our healing service, which was phenomenal. Uh, I invited my staff to come up, and I don't know how many of them showed up, but they stretched probably just to the other side of that pole to just to the other side of that stage. We had prayer workers available to pray for people. And for, I don't know, the better part of two or three songs, we had people in the aisles just waiting to find someone that was open to receive prayer. And it was just one of those powerful, powerful services. Um, we, I asked afterwards, how many people you can tell like something physical has changed inside your body? And hands went up all over the room. Uh, it was just one of those services that we were like, now that was having church right there. I saw someone had posted, or I heard someone had posted, um, can we last Wednesday every Wednesday? <laughs> I just was like, can we last Wednesday every day? Like, it was just that intense of a service. So, and then to top it all off, we baptized like 13 people in, in water baptism. Amen. Super cool. Ten of those 13 were just spontaneous people. I think we had three people signed up for baptism. Uh, 13 people jumped in the tank. One guy wanted to, uh, to be a part of the baptism uh, we had one brother want to be baptized with his sister, and then we had one brother want to be baptized with his brother, and so, like, they, they wanted to help baptize him, right? They had been water baptized, but this particular guy, he just got in the tank, socks, Apple, iWatch, everything. Like, he just got in the tank and was like, oh, you know what I mean? It was just, it was just a powerful, powerful service, and so it was amazing, and listen, if you're in the room today and you had an encounter last Wednesday, like God healed you, God spoke to you, God showed you something. We want to hear about that. Uh, I know we've already received several emails just since Wednesday, um, but if you will email us at stories, plural, stories at yourplacechurch.com, that will help us kind of log and keep track of all of these stories. Um, it does my heart good to know when we, when we nail the head on the head, or that nail the when we get it right, you know what I mean? When we get it right, it does me good to know um, those stories. I Just a couple of them that have come in that, I, that I'm aware of. Obviously, we had a word of knowledge that said that people would be healed of thyroid issues. Several people responded were healed instantly of thyroid issues. Um, and again, I, didn't, I, I, I had to look that up. I didn't, know what that, I didn't know what that meant. I don't know what thyroid issues are. Had a gentleman catch me out, out after first service and said, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm, I'm one of those. And explained to me kind of his, his dealings with it. And so I'm thankful that people have been set free from that. Uh, one young lady came up, could not lift her arm up. Um, something was going on with her shoulder. By the end of the night, she got prayed for. She's up here doing this and like, look at this. And so just cool, crazy, crazy cool stories like that again and again and again. Well, we want to lean into that today. 
In fact, on your chair, this is not an invite. This is, this is because we want to be known as a generous church. This is for you. We got you this little keychain. You can put it on your keys for your car, your house key, whatever. And it's just basically, it's our Through the Valley logo that we've been using. Because what we want you to do is when you're tempted to fear, when you're tempted to get into doubt, when you're tempted to allow unbelief to come in, to look down at the keychain and remember, no, 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 no. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. And so when you're going into that meeting, when you get that doctor's report, whatever it looks like, you can look down at this keychain and, and remember that God has spoke to you during this series. And with your permission, I don't want to stop. I want to keep on rolling here. I feel like the Lord has more to say in this area. And so we want to we keep on going. You know, faith doesn't just apply to, to physical healing. Faith applies to every area of your life. And so we want to see other areas and hone in on this topic just a little bit more. And here's what I would encourage you guys to do. This is the Word of God. It doesn't change based upon our circumstances. It doesn't change based upon how other people have taught us the Word of God. It doesn't change the Word of God. We're going to take the Word of God at face value, and we're going to let it work in our life. Amen, everyone? And so I want you to lean in today. There are two there are two different types of people in the room today. There's the one person that's going to come in and is going to sit here, and they're going to say, all right, give it to me, pastor. What you, would you do? What you, would you pray about this week, right? And it's, they're, they're looking for a motivational speech. They're, they're hoping I, I bring something crazy out on stage, and we do an illustration, and, and it's like, oh, wow, that was really cool, you know? And I do those. Those are, those are, those are fun. But then there are people who it doesn't matter if I come in and start singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star and throw a scripture up on screen. They're going to be like, that was so good. You know what I mean? Because your heart's ready to receive the word. Lean into the word. The word of God has enough power in it alone to change your life. If all I did was stand up here and read the word of God to you, it will change your life. The Bible talks about in Hebrews um, the word and faith mixed together. Like, can you imagine if we put a little bit of faith, if we released a little bit of our faith, a little bit of expectation that this message was tailor-made for me, how much you'll get out of this message? Amen, everyone? So I'd invite you to open in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Again, I want your eyes to, to look and to read and to internalize the word of God. The word of God is living. I, watched, I showed a video to my life group guys last week. Um, we were talking about the Word of God, and it's a video, and I'm sure some of, some of you guys have seen it. It's circled social media. But it's, um, they had smuggled some Bibles into China, and um, you see a couple of suitcases and a whole room full of, of Chinese people and uh, believers, and they don't have access to the Word of God. And so they pop these suitcases open, and they flip them open, and soon as everybody in that room saw that there were those were the holy written word of God. They just jumped on it, and they all got their copy, and they were all holding the, the Bible up to their face, and they were kissing the Bible, and they just wept. They just wept because they were so, so thankful to have access to the holy written word of God. Are you with me, friends? And some of us, we won't even, we won't even open the Bible. 
I, I remember a story. Uh, I have my lead staff reading a book by One Hope, which is the uh, children's organization that we, that we sponsor. Um, and I say children, they're, they're just getting the word of God to every child on the face of the planet, like it's a daunting task, but we're supporting them and we're believing God they're doing things. There was one kid that showed up in a marketplace and he, he, he was uh, obviously poverty stricken area, part of the world, mustered up as whatever money he could and bought just kind of a, a piece of cheese. And when he got the cheese, he got it home and he unwrapped the cheese from the paper and it was written uh, the paper was it's a, a piece of the Bible, like a, a page written out of the Bible. And so he started reading the words from this cheese wrapper. And the word of God came alive to him that he found as much money as he could. And he went back to the cheese vendor the next day. And he was like, I've got to have more of that, of that paper that you wrapped the cheese in. And he was like, well, buy another piece of cheese. And so he did. And he got another one. And over time, he had acquired different pages of the Bible. And it was just so much life to him because the word of God is alive if you'll treat it that way. It's not just poetry. It's not some man's opinion. It is living and it is valuable if you'll treat it that way. And so when we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 here, I want you to look and see what the spirit of the Lord wants to do inside of all of us today. How does this message apply to your life? This is Paul speaking, moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud. Talks about all passed through the sea, they were all baptized into Moses uh, in the cloud and the sea, they all ate the same spiritual food, drank the same spiritual drink, for they all drank the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Now, you read that, and you're like, it sounds like the teacher from Peanuts, right? We don't understand that unless you understand the context of what he's referring to. He's having them look back. See, the Old Testament, the stories of Moses and the Hebrew children being you know, in slavery for 400 years, that wasn't just legend. It wasn't folklore. Like they, Their people went through that. It would be like... Um, Something as real as us going and living through September 11th. You, are you with me? Like as a country, like we lived through that. And those are some of you that didn't live through that, but yet it's so much a part of your history that you know it to be true. Does that make sense? This was so much a part of their history that it was just passed down generation after generation after generation. And so Paul's going, hey, you remember the miracles? Remember our, our, our forefathers, the people who went before us? Remember when we were captive in slavery and God deliver, delivered us from the hands of the Egyptian? Remember the, the pillar of fire that showed up at night? Like every night, boom, a pillar of fire would just show up supernaturally. And by day, a cloud would just form and there would, there would be this pillar of this, this cloud. And if the cloud moved, all 2.5 million of the children of Israel who, who, who got freed from slavery would just follow the cloud. And they were headed towards the promised land, the Bible says. This was, this was when, and it talked about, remember when they, they all passed through the Red Sea? The, the sea, it's talking about the Red Sea. When Moses took a staff and, and, and parted the Red Sea, and the, the sea went to the left and to the right, and the Bible says they walked through on dry ground. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't just a Bible school lesson like, they lived, their people lived through it. It was very much something that they were aware of. And so, 
So Paul's pointing to this here, and he's like, remember all this? Remember our forefathers and what they did? And then look what he said. But with most of them, who? The 2.5 million people, right? The, 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 the Israelites who got set free. But with most of them, God was not pleased, the Bible says. Well, we've learned in this series, there's really only one thing that pleases God, and that is what? Faith. Faith is what pleases God. And it said, but with most of them, God was not pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, you got to understand the story to understand what he's talking about. They were freed from, from slavery. God had told them, there's this land, this promised land, right, that you're going to. And faith sounds like fun until you bump into obstacles. Are you with me, friends? Faith, this faith journey, it sounds fun until you bump into something, until you bump into obstacles. Uh, stepping out of the boat and walking on water sounds fun until the waves start splashing up against your calf muscles, right? It sounds like fun. Giving a car away sounds like fun until you wake up one day and realize you only have one car now, right? Sowing your savings into the building fund because God told you sounds like fun until you wake up one day, look at your checking account, and you need your savings account, right? It all sounds like fun until you bump up against an obstacle. You step out of that opportunity, which was an income stream for you because you heard God and you know that the next season of your life was a faith step, but you got to step out of this before that one will show up. Like, it all sounds like a faith journey until you bump up to an obstacle. Well, here they are. Faith, this promised land, sounds awesome until you get there and there's giants walking around. The Hebrews got to the promised land just like God told them to and actually was about to inhabit it. So they're walking through. They're like, God, okay, we're here. This is where you said to go. Now what? He says, go run off the inhabitants of the land. Well, they start looking around and they realize, oh my gosh, there are like really, really tall people here. Like giants are living in this land. And it sounds like fun until God says, oh yeah, you got to chase off the giants. And for so many of us, we're like, but God, no, 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 but God, we, we left. But God... But God, this is supposed to be the easy part. Are you with me, friends? Like, it's, it's faith sounds fun until you run up against a giant, until you go into a place you've never been before, and then all of a sudden God tells you to keep doing stuff. But God, I did that. But God, I left. But God, I sowed. I, I gave. I obeyed. God, it's supposed to be easier from from this point, like, I did the hard part, right? But God, why? And see, it's all, it all sounds like faith until you get to this moment. And that whole generation walked up into this moment. They saw the giants in the land, and the Bible says that entire generation did not go in because of one reason and one reason only, fear, fear. Fear crept in. But God, you said. For the next few minutes, I want to talk on this 
thought of which side of the but are you living on? Which side of the but God are you living on? We read in verse 6, it says, Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Now, the Bible points to their lack of faith or their unbelief. The Bible says on evil things. God is saying, these are examples, guys. Paul's pulling everybody in. He's like, listen, they, that they, they would want us to remember their stories. They would want us to remember their successes and their failures. These are examples. We should probably pay attention. So the question that I have for us this weekend is, which side of the butt are you on? Which side of the butt, God, are you on? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we lean into your word. Father, I ask for utterance today. Give me the ability to speak and to identify with every single person in the room, no matter where they are, God. Lord, we know that it's the Holy Spirit doing the ministering, doing the teaching. So, Father, I just yield to the Holy Spirit. We release our faith. We mix the, the Word of God with our faith, and we see where we fit in your story, Father. We love you, and we worship you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, spring break 2007 was probably one of the biggest faith journeys that my family had ever experienced up until that moment. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but there's a lot of new people worshiping with us now. We had heard God to come start a great church, a life-giving church, right? And we didn't know where. We didn't know how. We didn't know who was going to help us. We just knew we were supposed to launch a church, which sounds awesome. If you're in your prayer closet and God says, I want you to launch a church, right? You kind of get stirred up and it sounds like faith and it sounds like an amazing journey. And I knew launching a church means I have to move my family. So we put all of our houses, we, had, we were in property investment as well as ministry. And so we put the remainder, remainder of our houses up for sale, which was fine because I had savings so even if it would take a month or two to, to kind of keep them afloat, it was cool because I had savings. It's, it's funny how easy faith is when you have a safety net. Are you with me, friends? Faith is easy when you got a safety net. I had thousands upon thousands of dollars in savings. Not a big deal, right? It sounds like a faith adventure. We moved our, we moved our family to, uh, to Wagner, Oklahoma, where Tyra's parents were living at the time, and we moved in with them while these properties were all for sale. I was going to sell them, bring all that money to Mays County, and launch this great rockin' church, right? Sounds like a faith adventure until the houses don't sell and you spend all of your savings keeping them afloat. Are you with me? It sounds like a faith adventure until you're living for a few months with your in-laws and you own multiple properties, right? Um, Taylor's living in the garage with the dog. And I've got, I've got properties, like completely renovated houses, plural, back in Kansas that we could move right into right now. It sounds like a faith adventure until you put your kids in the Wagner school systems and the teachers are the ones getting in fistfights, not the students. Are you with me? That's what we did. We put them into that kind of a school system. You're, you're supposed to launch a church, but you have no facilities available. It sounds like faith until you get there and everybody, you knock on the door and say, hey, we noticed your space is vacant. Can we, can we rent it from you? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. 
No, I don't think so. See, it sounds like a faith journey until you bump up against obstacles, until you're supposed to launch a church, but you don't know a soul in the area. Are you with me, friends? See, there are times when your faith journey has the potential to become a struggle if you forget what God originally told you. See, friends, don't doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. See, that's when, you put your, that's when you put your faith to work, is in those seasons where it's a struggle, those seasons that it's, a, that, that it's not as, as light as it was originally. Don't doubt in the dark seasons what God told you in the light. And it's in seasons like this that you have to ask yourself, well, I started out in faith. Am I still in faith? Is it possible to be in faith or out of faith? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, if we know that that faith is what pleases God, then we need to examine ourselves. The Bible says in verse 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. One translation just says in faith. Well, if you can be in faith, then you can be out of faith as well. This is why the Bible says, examine yourselves. Like, take a look and see. The Bible then goes on to say, you know what you ought to do? You ought to test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? Well, test what? Test yourselves. You know if you're in faith or not. You know if you're actually genuinely believing God. The Bible says, test yourself. Now, here's what I want to communicate this weekend. Knowledge of faith isn't faith. Knowledge of faith isn't faith. Are you still believing? Test yourself to see, am I still, do I still believe this is true? Do I still believe God can do this? Do I still believe? The Bible says, test yourself in this area. You know, maybe you were here at, Last Wednesday, you received prayer. Maybe those results didn't come quite like you thought they wanted or that you wanted. The results didn't happen like you, like you wanted. Are you still in faith? Because we learned last weekend that results are not a dictator of whether or not faith is real, whether or not God's will is to heal. Because if we were going by results alone, then what we, we, would, we, would, we would base everything on, well, I guess if it's God's will, if I show up in heaven, I guess it was God's will for me to be saved. If I don't, I guess it wasn't. Right? No, 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 no. God's will is based 100% on his word. So even if you showed up to last Wednesday, you, you came forward, you got prayer, and maybe the results didn't happen quite like you expected, are you still in faith. The Bible stirred this message in me, oh, probably six weeks ago, and I wrote it down for you, having no idea where we would be right now. And so here's what I want you to understand. God's will is God's will, and his will is very clear to us. And so it's on us to to build our faith. Now, we previously read verse 6 here. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting, setting our hearts on evil things like they did or as they did. Well, examples of what? Well, we read the story in Numbers chapter 13. The Lord had delivered Moses and the children of Israel from slavery, told them to go possess this promised land, right? 
The Lord said it's going to be a land flowing with milk and honey. And so we read that and we're like, okay, milk and honey. No, 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 no. You need to understand milk and honey were commodities back then. It would be like God coming to you and saying, hey, listen, I need you to go possess that land. It's a land flowing of Starbucks and Krispy Kremes, right? There's a target in every city. Like, no, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. You go possess that land, right? You go get that land because it's a land flowing with Starbucks and Krispy Kreme and a target in every city. So what does Moses do? Moses is like, we get there, we bump up. He says, God says, we got to go run these people off. So he sends 12 spies, one from each other. Hey, listen, you guys, you sneak down there at night. You, you look around. Let's see if it's really a land flowing with Starbucks and Krispy Kreme and a target in every community. So he sends these guys into the land. Numbers 13, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. Like homeboy's got a Starbucks cup in his hand. You know what I mean? He's got icing in his beard, right? He's like, oh yeah, it's good. You know what I mean? And the Bible literally says that when they snuck in, they, they brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big that they, it took two men to carry them on a pole. And so what I did is I actually did a Google search to find modern-day Israel, and then I Googled uh, grapes. This is what I found. This is a modern-day picture of the grapes in Israel. You kind of get an idea of what these guys saw. So they walk in under the cover of night to spy out the land to see if it's really a land flowing with milk and honey. They cut down a cluster of grapes. They put it on a pole. They come walking back into camp, Starbucks, camp, you know, coffee cup, got the little paper wrapper on it still, eating a donut. Oh, it's awesome. It's every bit of what God said it was and more, they said. Like it's every bit what God said, right? But look at verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities, don't even get me started on the cities. The cities that were built, they're fortified and they're not just large cities, they're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites were in the Nagav, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. What were they doing here? They were giving a report, but it wasn't the report that anybody wanted to hear. God gave them this land. Moses said, go see if it's everything God said it was. They came back, oh yeah, it's that and more. But I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real, pastor. I'm just being real, Moses. This, I'm just gonna, can, I, can, I, can I real talk? Can I have some real talk? Can I just, can I just speak my mind here? See, because this is what we say. Even though God tells us to do something, we see that there's really tall people and there's cities and there's, you know, walls. And then all of a sudden we come back and what God told us all of a sudden changes. Why? Because of what we see. They said they're powerful people there. What they're really saying is more powerful than us. There's cities and, and fortified walls. What are they trying to get across? We can't even get in if we want to. 
We, we thought we just had to take a stick and run them out like a dog. Get it, get No, 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 no. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Now, this was before the days of David and Goliath, and so they didn't know the story of David and Goliath, but they do know the people of Anak. Goliath was a descendant or kin to the people of Anak. And so what is he saying? When we saw the descendants of Anak there, what they're saying, everybody knew, oh, those are some tall people. Like for, it gets into Nephilim and stuff like that. I don't have time to get into all of that stuff. But like these are really, they're known as warriors and they're known to be very, very large people, right? And what they're doing is they're saying we saw giants in the land. Just being real, Moses, real talk. But what they're being in this moment is they're being real faith less. See, friends, there's a difference between real talk and doubt and unbelief and fear. Fear contradicts faith. And Taylor said it last, last message, week three, last time, he said this, he said, fear is faith. Actually, it's faith, but it's working against you. It's faith working in reverse. And so they're like, God's given us this land. <gasps> oh no. This is why the Bible says we're not moved by sight. Are you with me, friends? Because if we, if we allow our sight or how we feel to move us, we'll have the same response. You know, it was um, right in the middle of our faith journey and launching this church that no one hired me because there was about a year or so here that we knew we had to kind of come in, get set up. I needed a job, and so I started turning in my resume to so many different places to get a job. I needed an income, right? Even though um, we were living with her parents, I still had all of these properties that I had to keep afloat. And now that my savings was depleted, I needed, I needed work. And so every single person that I turned in an application to hire me found out that I moved from Kansas. And so they're like, what brought you to Oklahoma? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a church. Faith journey, right? You're going to start a church. Yeah. Is that going to pay you someday? Hopefully. And they're like, you know what? I don't think you're going to be a fit for us. Because nobody wants to hire somebody when they know they're going to spend all this time and money training them just for them to, you know what, if this church, you know, if it kicks and then all of a sudden you can go full time, then we've just wasted our effort and our resources training somebody who has no intentions on staying. And so I don't fault them for that, but it made it really, really hard for us because no one would hire me. We survived on $500 a month that my sending church, the church that I was on staff with at Kansas, sent us every month. They said, we'll support you for, for 12 months. We'll give you $500 a month. We survived on that because no one would hire me. Now, remember, we're living in Wagner. We've got our, our kids going to prior schools. 2009, if you remember, eight, seven, eight, and nine is when gas prices were $4.50 a gallon. I'm driving a big old Dodge 4x4 pickup and bringing my kids. I'm, I'm making that trip from Wagner to Pryor every day, twice a day, dropping my kids off at school and picking them up, right? $500 doesn't go very far when you're spending it in gas. Are you with me? And so 
during this time, I can remember it was a Sunday night, and I got a phone call. My phone goes off at Sunday night, and I don't recognize the number, and I, I say, hello? And I quickly re- heard the voice, hi, Darian, this is so-and-so. It was the vice president of the bank. Sunday night at 10 o'clock are not typical banker's hours. He says, I need to let you know that we closed the bank today, or Friday, and Monday, tomorrow morning, we're opening it up as FDIC. We were one of the banks that was kind of writing shady loans. Your loan was one of them. And so one of the houses that I had for sale, he, he was like, basically, this is what's going to happen. They're going to call you. They're going to call the note due because it was, a, it was one of those under-the-table shady loans. I didn't know. I'm, it was like 100% financing? Awesome. <laughs> Where do I sign? Right? And, um, and so he's like, We're, they're going to call the note due. And so it sounds like faith until you spend all of your savings just keeping them afloat. Oh, and by the way, you got to pay this one off now or else we're going to foreclose on it and take it away from you. Well, I knew that I'd bought that thing for about less, about $50,000 is what I paid to buy for this, it's just a little house. And I put some renovation into it. And so I own between sixty-five, $67,000 on it. And so, um, and they gave me all the money to do it. They gave me They appraised it on its as-completed condition. So they gave me even more money. So I owe $65,000 on this house. And they're like, you you got a few days. I don't have $65,000. I'm trying to launch a church, right? I had savings, but we spent it all. See, it sounds like faith until they try to take your houses away from you. Are you with me, friends? And this this is where I could have been like, but God, you said... You said go plant a church. I'm just obeying you. But God, you said that you would take care of us. You said you would provide for us. And it sounds all good and fine and dandy until you get there and there's giants in the land. So here's where these people are. They roll up on the promised land. God says, now go run everybody out of it. And there's giants in the land. Then look at verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. Don't you love a man of faith? You know what I mean? Everybody's like, oh, no, 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 this is bad. This is bad. Caleb gets up and says, y'all hush. God said we can do it. We should go do it. In fact, the King James says, Caleb said, we are well able to do this. And they didn't appreciate that. He saw the same giants, the same cities, the same walls. Why is he so different? Because Caleb believed God. Verse 31. But the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Just being real. Can you hear the irritation in their voice? See, faith irritates unbelief. Faith irritates unbelief. And unbelief irritates faith. So people who are just are realists are irritated by people who trust God. 
Have you ever felt that before in your life? Tell someone you're, you're believing God to do something and they go, pfft, pfft. They're irritated by faith. Are you with me, friends? What are they saying? This ain't no land of milk and honey. It's a land that kills people. In fact, they said in verse 32, and then they spread among the Israelites a what? A bad report about the land that they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak that came from Nephilim. And, and again, I'm not going to get in it, but, but the scripture talks about that there was a, a crazy season in biblical history where the fallen angels actually came down and had sex with humans. The results were the Nephilim. The Nephilim, I guess, is the way you say it. Superhumans, essentially, is what they were. And so that's, they, they knew that. And they're like, these people are there. Look what they say. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. In other words, they're going to squash us if we do this. But which side of the butt are we on? Caleb did not let the others contaminate his faith. He was like, well, we are well able to do this, guys. He says, they are bread for us. You know what he's saying? This is going to be a piece of cake. That's what he's saying. They are bread for us. Why? Because if God's for me, who can be against us? Amen. But they didn't go in. Did God plan on giving them this land? Yes. Was it God's plan for them to go in and inhabit the land? Yes. And if you actually finish the story, because Caleb and Joshua were the only two of the original group that got to go in. Because the Bible says, you know what? That whole unbelieving generation, they can just wander around in the desert. But you two, you had faith. You'll go in. You'll go in. And what we find out about the inhabitants, the giants in the land, they were actually afraid of the Israelites the whole time. They had heard stories. God fights for them. God fights for them. We heard stories. God, God set them free from Egypt, parted the Red Sea, like washed away the entire Egyptian army, which was the greatest nation on the planet at the time, the greatest army at the time, and God just washed them away. So they're already freaking out, posting guards on the wall. Is, is Israel coming? Because if Israel's coming, we got a back door. We got a back door. And they just sat there, and they watched for him to come. Well, the Israelites didn't know that. And see, that's what you need to understand. God's view is different from your view. God knows things that you don't know. So when God says to do something, you just, you just do it. You just start walking towards that promised land. It looks big, and it looks like it's a land that devours people, but God told me. So I'm just going to do it. 
Now, let's look at the other side of the but. God says, go do it. And they were like, but God, we can't. Luke chapter five, verse one, one day Jesus was standing by the lake of uh, Gennesaret. Broken Arrow education. (laughs) The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who would later become Peter, uh, and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, you got to understand something. These were fishermen. This is what they do, right? Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard (laughs) all night and haven't caught anything. They knew these waters. This was, this was not just an, uh, a vacation. This was not, hey, you want to catch some fishing? No, no. This was their livelihood. And they were like, like, we fished the waters, master. You know what they were looking forward to? They had already finished the night. They washed their nets out, got all the seaweed out, all the, all the weird-looking marine life that they can't eat and threw it back. They dried their, their nets out because if they don't dry them out just right and fold them up just right, then they rot had everything packed away. Here comes Jesus. They're just looking forward to going home, getting warm, right? Sit by the fire, eat a good meal, catch some shut-eye because they got to do the whole thing again tomorrow. They're not here tonight, fellas. We'll give it a go tonight, tomorrow night, right? And here comes Jesus, teaches, hey, can we use your boat? I think if I pushed away from the crowd a little bit, they could hear me better. Yeah, sure. Gets in, pushes away from the, 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 the shore a little bit. Jesus gets up. I'm sure Simon's sitting there in the boat listening to this guy. Hmm. Gets faith in his heart. Wow. At the end of Jesus' teaching, he says, hey, you're fishermen, right? Yeah. Push out over there and let your nets back out. Master. We fished all night. But look at the difference. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Which side of the but do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the, yeah, but, or do you want to be on the, well, this is what I see, but if you say so. Which side do you want to be on? To finish our story, We launched out in faith to start this church. The bank called and said, you owe us $65,000. I said, well, how much would you take? 
And they said, well, how much can you scrounge up? Well, I talked to a friend or a financial partner of mine, and I said, what do you think? He's like, well, I can come up with 48000 if you turn around and sell it and give it back to me. Call him up. Will you take 48000 Sold. Less than I originally purchased the property for. Bought it for $48,000, sold it about two months later for $75,000. Gave him back his money, lived on the proceeds, amen. And on April the 12th, 2009, we launched Your Place Church. Amen. And you guys are here today. We, we bought this place in January of 2015, and now we're renovating it in 2019. And last Wednesday night, people got healed. Amen. People got baptized in this place. Why? Because we chose to be on this side of the butt. It looked like giants were in the land. But God said, and if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Are you with me, friends? Which side of the butt are you on? Well, I'd step out in this area, but... Well, I'd give that, but, well, I'd trust God with this in this area, but. Some of us have heard God about selling an investment and sowing it into this thing. Not me. You've heard God say that. And you're like, but what if it goes higher? God doesn't care. He said, sell it and sow it. But God, some of us, you hear God telling you, you need to volunteer in that department. You, you know that you know that you know God told you to do it. But you think, I don't have time. Are you with me? Well, I haven't picked up an instrument in years, Reuben. I don't, I mean, back in college, I picked around a little bit. And God's saying, that worship team needs you. Well, but, but how do, I'm not as good as they are. Listen. Why don't you just obey God and let the but be his problem? Are you with me, friends? Why don't you just let the results be on him? Some of you have heard God to start tithing. But you don't know how it's going to work. And so you're like, God, I, I, I can't. And God's saying, which side of this are you going to be on? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust what you see? Are you with me, friends? Some of you, you got relational tension in your, in your world. And God is telling you to, to make it right, to deal with it, deal with it. And you're like, but the last time I did, it didn't go so well. But yet God's put it back in your heart that tells me, hey, listen, they're different now. Try again. Are you with me, friends? Which side of the butt are you going to be on? Just obey God and leave the results up to Father, we love you. And Father, we are stirred to the core in this message. We really, really are. And Father, we know that you're wanting to do some things inside of the people of your place, church. And for some of us, it is a faith step. It is a faith journey. Every time we look at it, God, every time we spy out the land, every time we check out the options, we explore the possibilities. All we see are cities, 
walls and giants in the land. But God, no matter what we do, we can't shake it. We can't shake it. You're telling us to do it, to do it. So God, we're choosing to step out in faith in this area of our life. And regardless of what we see, we're trusting you with the results. And you said in your word that you would never leave us, never fail us. You would never forsake us. So Father, we're trusting you that you are a God that's big enough to stand on your word. And God, this faith journey will have an end that glorifies you, Father. We love you and we worship you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.